The Athletic. And welcome to From the Rookery End, a podcast all about supporting Watford Football Club. Brought to you by The Athletic. It's Sunday afternoon, late afternoon, and Watford have just lost 3 2 at home to Arsenal. Uh, my name is John. I'm joined by Mike's mum. Hello! <laughs> I've seen three goals, even though one was disallowed, I mean. Well, this is, we, we, we want to make sure you're on this podcast. You're here at the game today, and we're used to like the pessimistic parking that we ha- always have. What do you think about that game? I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed it. It's the first live game I've been to for a long, long time, and it was good. I really enjoyed it. It was great. Who did you, who did you like? I like Pedro. He sort of fluctuated. He had good spasms and then little bad, worse spells. And the new boy that came on at the end. Yeah. And I haven't gotten his name. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> he should have come on earlier. Yeah, I mean, I it, it was the minute he came on, we were at three two. It's like, oh, maybe yes. could this be the best and you know the best ever moment for yes. a debut a debut for yes, Watford player? He, he didn't. Really well. But he was only on for about ten minutes. Yeah, it wasn't was in ten minutes though. Yeah. Okay. And I didn't yeah. like sitting next to the Arsenal end. Oh, were you down there? Were you? Yes. Were they rude? Not that I know of, but they didn't stop chanting the whole of the time. <laughs> but, Mum, you said at the end... Oh, hello, Mike. You felt like there was a bit of hope there. You, you enjoyed yes, it. I thought it was brilliant. I really enjoyed it. It was great. It's really a, good. It's the first time you've seen Watford in the flesh this season. It so is, can, yes. can you, like, sum up what you what you thought of them? I, th- I felt quite positive about them. Arsenal were incredibly quick and they accelerated at quite a rate. And I think we were much slower than they were. Their tackle, their tackles were much better than ours, but ours were good as well. <laughs> they just look more com- they look more comfortable, don't they? they than, did. than Watford. Yes. Well, three-two yeah. shows it was a close-ish Cle- game. I, I thought cleverly did well. Okay, we might have a, we we have our chat about the game. I might feel a bit differently about that, but well, that's that's the whole fun of being a supporter. Well, it's lovely to see you again. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Oh, Jason's here as well. Ah, oh, good afternoon. Yeah, good afternoon. Um, and uh, Michael, we spoke into the positive parking, uh, and that was really good. But come on, I'm going to ask you. That wasn't a terrible performance, was it? Well, I'm really glad Mum enjoyed it. That's, a, that's <laughs> the most important thing. It's a long time since she's been here, and uh, lots has kept her away. And I think it's important to remember, you know, for me personally, to have Mum, Mum here in particular was, was great. So for, that was massively positive. Um, she gets very nervous on the podcast, <laughs> but uh, I appreciate her coming on. But just see mum enjoyed it and ultimately you need to enjoy your football so that's a big big tick for me i'm i'm leaving with a smile on my face glad to be at a game with with mum and dad and the family superb but in reality you've got to look at it in the cold hard light of day i think really truth be told any other every any other team in the division bar perhaps norwich take something from arsenal today i think really yeah i do well let's talk about the game the first half Jubilation, and and I think even twenty-four seconds was it? I thought it was a bit a bit quicker than that. But the first goal that wasn't a goal, Jason, that sort of felt very different in terms of what Watford were thinking, Watford were doing. 
we've talked a lot on the podcast about how you know home form and we've talked a lot about how especially under Roy it hasn't really felt like we are on the front foot when it comes to home form but that really felt like we were yeah absolutely say so what we've seen from Roy so far at home is that we've been cautious we've been sitting off wanting to play on the counter-attack and part of that is probably him coming in trying to instill his beliefs his thoughts slowly so first thing he's sorting out is trying to make us more solid at the back I, I giggle as I say that I shouldn't that's very naughty of me um, and then perhaps try and put a bit more belief game by game into the team to try and make us more progressive try and make us more attacking and it certainly felt that way you talk about the the goal that wasn't the team sort of pressing high Pedro putting Arsenal under pressure winning the ball back up high putting Dennis Dennis through albeit in an offside position but then our equalising goal as well was us getting players forward Sissoko in a more advanced position Kiko Firmenia in a more advanced position on the right hand side and, and the goal itself if you want to talk about the goal I, I think Kuche's got first and second in goal of the season this season nailed on with his goal at uh, home to Villa on the first day of the season as well so um, yeah it, it, it had certainly a more positive feel about it didn't it so more positive vibes and if you look at the game sort of in isolation as a single game Watford little old Watford yeah up against one of the big six up against Arsenal in good form in, in decent form they're, they're better than they probably ever were when we met them the first time around and yeah. those sort of five years we were in the, in the Premier League and we still had them worried at the end and even when we went 3-1 down we, we still we kept on going we kept getting players forward trying to get back into the game we got there with a little bit of time to go Clue had that shot but we never really threatened but you sort of look at it and you go okay we we, we try to compete today yeah. in isolation but then you look at it over the course of the context of the season and it's the same thing it's the Chelsea game all over again isn't it that yeah. was three months ago and we should if we want to stay up we should have moved on from, from that game three months ago yet we're back there again the, the positive thing and whether it's more about us perhaps about the sort of that soft underbelly that Arsenal have that does persist and I said, you know, they managed to be comfortable, but then and managed to have to sort of mess around to see the game out with, with a bit of time, you know, magnificent game management. And any Watford fan complaining about Aaron Ramsdale, just look who we've got in goal and, <laughs> exactly. and, and remember. Um, but the fact that, you know, even at 3-1, the crowd was still in it. We were still engaged. And that, that tells you something about, perhaps a little bit about Arsenal's performance. But let's look at it. We're a Watford podcast. Let's look at it from that side. Watford were still in the in the game, weren't they? And we have to take some sort of uh, positive from that. Going back to that, you know, cold light of day. Brilliant, by the way, that person who sent through, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, sent us a message on Instagram saying we need a list of all the cliches that I come up with. <laughs> and I've just used two in the space of about 40 seconds there. So there's another one for the list. But it's it's incredibly frustrating. As Jason says there, I think we have to look at it in terms of where we're going, what the journey is, what we get, what we're learning from each uh, each performance, well, how are we getting better? Where's the incremental improvement? And and sadly, in a game there, uh, perhaps being a bit harsh, saying any other team would take something from that Arsenal, but in that context, play that game with with anyone else, and they probably would have got got something because I think I do think Arsenal were there to be got at, as we mentioned before, and I think the majority, you know, Arsenal's goals came from from mistakes. The first goal felt like. I mean, I, I watched up the, the group, 
Happy message, by the way, Jason, was in the group because uh, uh, you lost your signal. I, yeah, I didn't get any signal. So when I looked at half-time, I had no messages come through on WhatsApp. When I looked again at full-time, there were 161, quickly 162 when DCW said another one. I, I should look now, really, to see where we've got to, just as a... Just <laughs> as a, as a, as a, as a yeah, still a little expletive. Yeah, 182, finishing with Geordie in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, there were lots of messages, uh, particularly from Michael, with some, some choice words. But the, the first goal, I, you know, I watched the game. I, I actually found it hard to figure out yeah. had Arsenal, you know, had, was there a mistake from us? Was it all just them? And it felt like it almost a 50 50. They'd done, they'd played the and made the goal well. We just were a step behind them, but they scored their goal. Fine, happy with that, especially because we were, we got the reply back with the. Now, is that an overhead kick? That's not a scissor kick, is it? Well, I think it's well. It's uh, yeah. No, I'd have to see it again. Is it? Uh, yeah, it's an overhead, really, okay. isn't it? Was it? What are we going so with? It's overhead or scissor? It looks more. I guess it looked more scissor because it was behind him and he sort of twisted his body. Yeah. Yeah. And a that, yeah. Scissical kick. Scissical <laughs> kick. There you go. Let's get scissical. Uh, but then the second goal was Tom cleverly being caught short, and the third goal was well, I think it was two mistakes there. One was losers pass across the field uh, that went out. But then Kamara sort of yeah. going to to well, touch the person who was gonna. Well, what he got, yeah. what, he, what I think, what caught him out actually, because I was furious with Kamara. I thought he he just left, found himself in absolute no man's land. You're right to point out the the errant pass from loser because that was what started it. But Kamara was sort of stood there, and it's almost like the game had started. He was left there dumbfounded. And what I didn't realise at the time is that Mikel Arteta had raced halfway down the side of the pitch well 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 out of his technical area to get the ball so they could take the, the the quick throw on so that is an issue that shouldn't be that shouldn't be allowed to happen there's a technical reason technical area for a reason that wasn't picked up on but the reality is that's not why we lost the game that shouldn't be why we conceded that goal having made a mistake with the crossfield pass make sure that everyone busts a gut to reset and get yourself in position to to deal with it and and they just didn't didn't do it again it's it's frustrating when it happens, and the and it's a, certainly from my point of view, it's easy to lump all the blame onto onto Watford for for cocking it up. Quite frankly, you have to give them credit for an excellent finish. I think all three goals were the yes. Arsenal goals were were good, well took finish. Uh, you know, Sackers for the second, he gave Foster the eyes and smashed it the other way. These are really really good footballers we're talking about, and it was a really really good finish for Martinelli from for the goal. It, there's, there's still plenty for him to to do. But the reality is, time and time again, we're putting ourselves in these situations, often under little or no pressure, or at least the sort of pressure that a Premier League footballer should be able to, to deal with. And I think that's what is so disheartening about it and why it just feels like a, a procession, really, a, rent, a relentless sort of funeral march to the, to the Championship, because... <laughs> We said it against Crystal Palace. Even if we got something against that, it got anything out of that. The performance isn't good enough. The the mistakes are too frequent and too important to mean we can get any, anything like a run of form going. This quality is lacking. Ultimately, yeah, we've been saying that for we've not been saying it since the beginning of the season. We sort of had it in the back of our mind yeah. when you look at who we signed and we're comparing to previous Watford squads in the Premier League. It's, it has become very much in focus uh, over the last couple of months but let's talk about those, the, the team that we did play we know that there were injuries and King precautionary maybe that's because we've got a fair few games coming up in you know, yeah. Thursday and then Sunday maybe they were deemed to be more important games for, for him to play in so let's give him a rest but let's start at the, at the front Jao Pedro we have sung his praise for a long time now 
Dennis been out of form recently and Cucho Hernandez hasn't really stamped any sort of authority onto any game so far this season, Jason. But as a three, do you think there was any improvements from the last few games? Do they seem any more cohesive? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. I think part of that is what we talked about earlier about us generally playing probably more advanced further forward out the pitch with the likes of uh, the midfield the fullbacks pushing on as well because it means they've got more options when they do get the ball I Pedro did impress me today I thought he did it he yeah. did a great job um, just he won just getting stuck in those times when we are not passing it backwards and forwards among the defenders where we were sort of getting the ball forward quickly in the air where he's needing to challenge he's sort of winning those headers winning the flick-ons getting the ball under control there was one where I think it was the second half a, a ball sort of long ball played forward he sort of made the run just controlled it took it down on his thigh dead brilliant touch absolutely brilliant touch and then just sort of anticipating the balls forward as well we talked about the lack of quality that we've got some of our passing today as has been all season has been pretty woeful um, but some of the anticipation from Pedro of the balls that are coming has been really good as well where he's sort of running across the, the centre-back centre-back thinks he's got an easy one to deal with Pedro all of a sudden's come from nowhere made the run got there first got the first touch in got the second ball making the run and, and showing his quality as well his quality and skill to be able to then go on a run and then make the pass I, get them nothing special about his pass he didn't make any quality balls perhaps apart from that first one <laughs> where, where Dennis was offside um, but it was solid it was in a better side I think that's a, yeah that is a very good performance from Joe Pedro today Caught Arsenal by surprise I thought on a number of occasions just with he's just so fleet of foot he's one player who can really as Jason said control it and then move forward beat, beat a man even if he's in, in close proximity I think we saw a couple of couple of opportunities for not opportunities, a couple of sort of glimpses, a couple of incidents where João Pedro showed that he really is a cut above anything else that Watford certainly had on the on the pitch today. And really, I think going forward, he's it's him that I'm fascinated to see what is, where his career takes him because I think he, I think he really has got the lot. I think he's been unlucky in the last couple of years to to play in a team that struggled, uh, then in the Championship and now in, in another poor team again this season. So a real if somehow we can keep him. Which, you know, you, you assume Ismail Assar is going to leave. You'll assume Emmanuel Dennis is going to leave. If we can keep Jar Pedro, I think he he, he 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 probably deserves a move. I wouldn't be upset if, from his point of view if he did go. But if we can somehow keep him for another year, that would be absolutely f- tremendous for for Watford and and probably best for his career as well. But Kucho just feels like someone who needs to play a lot more football and hasn't played a lot of football. Has moments does tend to want to try and pass the ball through players, which gets a little bit frustrating. But again, he, he, he lacks something, but it, it does feel like it lacks a bit of game time, Mike. I think he's a very, very good championship footballer. I think you get, <laughs> I think you get, and I don't, don't mean that in a disparaging way at all. You, you know, the amount of football that I've managed to watch over the last couple of weeks has been quite a lot for, for, for whatever reason. And you have to, you have to realise just how good, good Premier League footballers are. And that sounds obvious, but they're just the speed, the strength, the finesse, the skill, the power is is quite, quite extraordinary. I think Dad uh, was talking to Dad last night, he described it as a needle on top of a pyramid. And that's, you know, they, these are the, the handful of the very, very best in the, in the, in the, in the sport. And he, he isn't that. 
but what he is is high energy he's he's got an impact he's he's brave he's positive wants to take a man on wants to shoot and i'm all for that he's not going to score 15 goals in the premier league football can he score 15 in the championship next year yeah i think maybe he can i think he might be i think he's a handy handy player to to have around what what you want at this stage of the game where everything's feeling a bit flat is someone at least who can buzz around and 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 have some sort of impact on it um Great goal as well, absolutely yeah. phenomenal goal. And you know, after 11 minutes, it felt like a a, a, a fun afternoon at the Vicarage Road, which we haven't had for a, for a long, long time. He, he's played a part in that, as Jay said, real contender for goal of the season. If that, if if anyone beats that, I'd be amazed. If there's another goal, in fact, I'd be probably be quite surprised. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think you know he took he took his goal well. He's positive. Is he is he good enough to to make a difference? Probably probably not really. No. Nego for Emmanuel but should have been Jason. He really should have at least caused Ramsdale some sort of problems in the goal in that second half. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what a move as well. And, and we, we, have to, we have to be fair. Talked about the uh, poor quality passing today. The move for that was, was a great move. I think it was cleverly that played that defence split, splitting pass, letting Kiko Firmenia, brilliant ball across from Firmenia where Ramsdale can't get to it, where the defence can't get to it found Dennis coming in at the back post all he's got to do keep an eye on the ball knee over the ball back of the net I'm really <laughs> not sure what happened. he seemed to get underneath it didn't he it seems was he slice. celebrating before he'd actually scored I, that went through my head was yeah. he thinking about his celebration <laughs> took his eye off it it was almost if he was he was he got himself out of position I mean he still should finish it from where he was but it was almost like he was leaning back a bit and that, that's his, that's his, what I find most fr- frustrating about him. He's always a step ahead, therefore the ball is always underneath him when people yeah, pass it to him. And that's, a, that's another situation. He's almost like a little bit too quick for what's, what's going on around him. And he often, at several points in this game, found himself it st- stuck underneath his feet. He wasn't able to make space, and by the time he'd even started to make space, the Arsenal defenders were on him. That was a good example of that, I think, uh, be- before that chance where... Um, we sort of, again, I think Cleverly's won the ball, played it forwards. I think Dennis is coming back from an offside position. Cucho's then taken the ball on, gone wide. He's put a cross in, but it's kind of bobbled as it's come in. And so Dennis, he's had to control it first, get it out of his feet, and then try to get the shot away. But like you say, by which time the Arsenal defender's on him. And everyone sort of got quite frustrated. And I actually felt a little bit sorry for him at that point. I thought, well, there's not much he can do without the ball that's come in. It's yeah, it's sort of above his ankle. He's got to try and get in position, get it under, and then get the shot away. But that kind of summed up the day he was having. Really, there were some good moments, and there were times where you just think, oh, "Come on, Emmanuel, get the right pass." There was one where he's picked up again, second half, left left hand channel, and I can't remember. It might be Kamara sort of gone outside him, and he didn't really know what to do with it. It's like I want to shoot, I want to shoot, but the best ball's over there. And he's ended up sort of playing it straight to Cedric, I think. And you just think, come on, Manny, you're better than that. So the midfield, I sort of felt those conversations you have at half-time, where would you make some changes? What changes could you make? And there weren't really options where we can make any changes in terms of up front. You know, cleverly, I know he'd made that mistake for the second goal. And Musa was just not firing on all cylinders. They seemed to be the, the way we were going to have to make a change there. Loser was doing, as we've sort of seen him again, just playing well, developing into it. But generally, 
we're lack, still lacking something in that midfield quite considerably. That for me, if we could improve that midfield to make it more effective, then we would actually be more likely to get some points. Just a little reminder as to where we are as, as little old Watford. Here we are from the rookery end. There's three of us huddled around a microphone outside the the Hornet shop. If I look to my left, there's a throng of about 150 people <laughs> gathered around Arsenal fan TV as they're, as they're on their uh, camera. So that's what we're up against. Three of up against uh, 150 of them, if we were in, ever any doubt as to the gulf between Watford and Arsenal. But yeah, the midfield, I thought, and you mentioned Sissoko, I think he's exactly the sort of player that the, the Arsenal team's traditionally don't like playing against someone the sort of player that Arsenal in their heyday would, would have absolutely loved someone a big enforcer in in midfield with those long legs gets there first strong tough in the tackle and I thought he did that a couple of times he he snaked a leg in and and broke things up and actually actually did all right and you know Tom Cleverley we've spoken about him everyone's got their opinion everyone knows what you're going to get from Tom Cleverley whether that's good enough for, for Premier League week in week out is it's probably not even up to the debate, is it? We need you need you need more than that. No disrespect to Tom Cleverley at all. Superb servant, superb professional, etc., etc. Um, but probably not enough in there. But you know, what I do like about Inman Loser and there's the, the first grumblings of discontent when he was he was taken off, aren't they? Boy? Grumblings. That's the, I haven't heard yeah. that sort of reaction from a crowd for a long time in terms of a decision yeah. and he, the greatest thing I liked about it is he got, went off and straight off on the well the left hand side of the rookery and he walked round he got a reception. rousing reception absolutely thunderous round of applause from the rookery as he walked himself yeah. back round that must have felt amazing and I was trying to look was he sort of hobbling was he leaning on one is it maybe Don't overly cautious I couldn't see anything but he was the difference in terms of yeah, I mean, he, he, he was one that, that shone through, hence the, the massive grumblings and, when he was substituted. Him and João Pedro, I think, are the ones that look like they belong in the, in the Premier League more than, more than any of the others, certainly, certainly today. I like the fact that he's, he just continues to grow in confidence. He's happy to come deep and look for it, and he's obviously looking at the pattern of play, looking at how he can influence things, looking at how he can get things moving. He wants the ball, he wants to be integral, he wants to be that fulcrum, and I love the confidence he's showing just to move around the pitch if that means dropping deep so be it and he's sort of trying to marshal people as well and I like that also the fight in him today mm. he got the raging hump when things weren't <laughs> going to plan and I like you've got to see a bit of that you've got you want to see players annoyed if you're if you're giving goals away if you're losing another game of football you want to see that it doesn't necessarily mean anything whether he's in control or not or but sometimes you just think well at least there's someone who's who's engaged with the battle and that, that was good to see as well. It's not something that you've seen a huge amount of from, from Loser, that sort of demonstrative sort of uh, attitude, which was, which was great. But he looks, he looks really, really good. And it was a surprising substitution, I think, really, in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't, couldn't really get my head around it, whether it's just whether he needed a, a, a rest or needed a rest. I mean, it's nonsense. I'm just sort of searching for... It. I, I was thinking... Okay, we've got the Wolves game Thursday, and then we've got Southampton Sunday. Yeah. And you're thinking, perhaps it's, it's with that in mind, perhaps he's, he, he, uh, we're now two goals down at that stage, and you think, okay, as, as the game gone, are we resting him for, for, sure, for yeah. the next game? But, but then, yeah, if you're doing that, then why we then the next substitution is made after we've got back into the game at 3 2, that two minutes to go. Well, if, you, if, you, if you're taking players off to rest them, why are you then not making. Yeah the second substitution until so late in the yeah. game so it can't be that it did, it did seem very strange and very very odd decision to make yeah other substitutions uh, so KMB came on for that and didn't do anything massive but kept it a bit more solid 
Defensively, though, Michael, having Kiko on it definitely made us feel more attacking than I thought we were going to be down that side of the pitch, especially with uh, Ishmael Asar being injured. And Kamara, barring those, that mistake for the, for the third goal for Arsenal, you know, he is pushing forward and there's a great moment. He got right forward, he got right in the box, and he took a shot, it just went over, just went over. And then in the box, there's, there's Dennis going, come on, I was yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. there's, there's, Lou, there's a Sissoko on the outside box saying, what, why are you not passing to me? Well, I'm sorry, Musa, but you can't score from distance. <laughs> and when was the last time you passed to me, Dennis? Yeah. I think he had absolutely every right to have a go at that. But the attacking-wise, uh, their support of those wing-backs helped quite a lot. And in terms of that defensive pairing, that centre-back pairing... Again, it's it's not amazing, but it's it's yeah, being solid. And yeah, K- K- uh, Kamara is a decent left back. He's a solid left back. He's fit for purpose, which is you know a massive upgrade. Quite frankly, <laughs> it's quite refreshing. You know, he's he obviously going to make the occasional mistake. Um, Craig Cathcart, solid again. Samir, I think we had a bit of criticism on the TV for the for the opening goal, but. Did, you, did we notice him much during the, the no. course of the game? No, which I think for centre-back is probably yeah. is good. Um, Kiko, There was one, I think, second half where he got caught out, got yes. caught running on the ball, and we probably got a bit lucky there. And like I say, I thought the first goal, they're saying it's Samir, I think, yeah, whoever it was, gave Odegaard too much space. We could see it from where we're sitting. Because he just opened up and you think, well, he's going to put that in the bottom corner. He's not sitting there waiting a couple of seconds. There he is, he's put it in the bottom corner. And you think, OK, we could have done better there. But yeah, generally, like you say, you... You don't want to notice your centre-backs too. If you don't notice your centre-backs, they're probably having a good game. And uh, yeah, and Kiko, to finish off that, that back four, I think he always starts well. You always think, right, OK, we're gonna, we can utilise this right flank. Kiko's going to be a real sort of blue touch paper to get things going down that right-hand side. And, and absolutely, he was for that, for that equalising goal, his, his overlapping run, which we've seen time and time again from him. Certainly more early in the game than late in the game. You get these lung-busting runs from from Kiko. I think he runs out of gas um, a little bit. But he he made that he made that like you said, John. From an attacking point of view, he made that overlap, made sure he got there for that for the ball, and put in an absolutely beautiful ball um, for that superb uh, finish from from Hernandez. You know, beautifully worked goal. And when it when it works, it it works. And you know, it's functional, isn't it? But they've just still have the. You know, it looks like there's a few communication issues as well at the back there. It's sort of someone's leaving it for someone else. They sort of chest it down, ready for someone else to clear it, and then they don't. And that's the sort of thing that you need to... You can't afford to have against a team like Arsenal because the ball ends up in the back of the net. You do what we did today in a championship, even against a top championship side. Those goals aren't going in. You get away with those mistakes because it just takes longer, as Mum was saying. They're just Arsenal are quicker and slicker and just better and you don't you don't get to make mistakes and I think perhaps we're seeing maybe it's a little bit of the, this team this this defensive unit has only been together since January really mm. yeah, so yeah. given a, a full pre-season and, and a full season are they are they better are they more in sync better communication and, and less sort of jittery but you'd like to think so but at this stage of the season it's it happens far too far too often that we just we just make avoidable mistakes and all the good for all the good work that we do and we are able to find good moments from all the games even no matter how small they are but they're almost you know they're going to be undone because you know there's going to be a mistake you know there's going to be a misjudgment or a miscalculation um and yeah unfortunately that's that's what's cost us again today could have been a Royal the Rovers appearance though there, couldn't there, Jason, for uh, Kalu with his first appearance. He he had a go with one. He, he almost 
like curved and bent the ball right in front of Dennis, didn't he? That was, that was a funny one, yeah. So yeah, he's come on, he's had that little run where he's he's hit it, but it's sort of straight at Ramsdale. And then, uh, yeah, that, I mean, that was almost a brilliant ball. Actually, you look at it and you think, well, why didn't you just, you had room to sort of bring it down and attack more. Like, so yeah, so I'm not sure about that one, but um, just not long enough really to, to do anything, is it? And this is what's sort of going back to about the substitutions. It, it's, 3-1 the way we were playing you felt we were still in the game but we didn't then make any changes until we got back into the game to, to, to try and then make a difference I can just see out of the corner of my eye Tyo here a big Arsenal fan is here with Alan Davis today he's, he's happy let's see what he's got to say for himself anyway do you know what we was in behind enemy, enemy lines we actually got told oh. to be we got told to be quiet and sit down at one point but no it was brilliant today we scored some lovely goals but the best goal of the day was scored by you lot um, thanks for the three points made it a bit naughty at the end it's really funny watching because I've been here with you lot before watching Watford supporting Watford so coming in, I was kept myself. I found myself singing along to some of the songs because, <laughs> like, because it's nice to be back here. But yeah, really enjoyed it today. We scored some really good goals. Yeah, um, I've always had a soft spot for Sissoko. I thought you lot played well today. I thought you gave us a couple of easy goals, but you played decently today. And it's lovely to be back here at the Rookery End, <laughs> loving the Graham Taylor mural there. Lovely to see you guys. Our coach is about to go. It's okay. Alan Davis's birthday, so that's why we were all here today. Thank you for the three points. Thank you for the generosity. <laughs> Thank you for always making my trips to Watford fun, even when I actually want you lot to lose, which was what happened today. I got to go. All right. Thank <laughs> you. Good to see you. <laughs> Ty mentioned Soko there, being a fan of his. Um, yeah, hopefully not too many Arsenal uh, supporters listen to the podcast because uh, yeah, Ty will be uh, public enemy number one. You can't like an ex-Tottenham player, mate. But he scored two recently, last two home games, one by the head and one by the foot uh, by the foot but it wasn't a long distance shot Musa hopefully we're learning do it from the six yard box Musa you're more likely to score than you are if you're on the edge of the 18 yard box any enough is there enough there Michael for you to see any sort of glimmer of hope down the road for for possible survival Tayo was positive yeah I think uh, he's been the hospitality you see <laughs> <laughs> yeah hashtag free bar but um no, 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 absolutely okay. not. I don't, we still need we still need six wins. You know, you tell me where where they're coming from. I think we're going to be miles off it, absolutely miles off it. And yes, it was a it was a much improved performance today. And I think hopefully Watford fans here at Vicarage Road will have enjoyed it a lot more than they have enjoyed the previous seven defeats in a row. Look, the, the bottom line is we're not good enough. And and I think you know we, there's a, I saw a few messages uh, crop up about criticism of Roy Hodgson, criticism about. The, the Inman loser substitution and question marks over what he's actually done done for Watford since he arrived. And the, the reality is he has made Watford a much, much better team away from home than we were. Clean sheets, we've picked up points, nowhere near enough. But the Watford are better under Roy Hodgson. They're not pretty, they're not exciting, they're not a joy to watch, they're not entertaining. But as a as a as a entity, they are better than they were before, but that's not really saying much. And it's certainly not saying enough for to, to, to stay in the, in this division. They're all season, all season long, they've been an arm's length away from being able to uh, able to compete. And the, that, that's no different today than it was last week than it was the the week after that. This team is is certainly destined for the championship. And I think what the the important thing now is that everyone here, fans included, but most importantly the club themselves, work out 
what the transition is going to look like and how we manage it. We know there's going to be big name departures. Ismail Assar will, will go. Emmanuel Dennis isn't going to play champion, championship football. And you'd like to think that the sale of those two players will be enough in terms of the finances. He should hopefully get somewhere around, you know, 55, 60 million quid between between them. You know, Sars not they're not going to get what they hope for him, I'm sure, but if we can get our money back on him, that'd be great. And then if Emmanuel Dennis can pick up a few goals in the uh, in the next couple of games, we can shift him on. So I think it's now it's about coming to terms with the with the reality of the situation and the club have to work out what this roadmap looks like because it's this is this is now the hard work starts again now not not just for next season but really for the for the entire future of the of the football club from the rookery end a podcast about life following Watford FC we are a podcast and we've been doing this for 13 seasons now Ooh. I think um, we all like to help and support and show other fans uh fan-driven media that are out there. Uh, I like up with Ollie Wicken. We play a lot of clips from Hornet Heaven, but I want to catch up with him. So, you know, you've got a reset. What, was it? what is Hornet Heaven? What's it all about? Why should people have a listen? Uh, and, of course, the big question is, when you hear about Hornet's Heaven, you think, what's that all about? And that's why I asked Ollie. Hornet Heaven is about being a football fan forever. So I'm exploring what it's like to be specifically a Watford fan through the metaphor of watching football for the rest of eternity. Every time I mention this podcast to anybody, they just truly didn't understand it. And I actually felt I could never explain it until they heard it. Because it's it's just, it is funny, but it is very emotional all at the same time, isn't it? Well, I suppose the main thing is that you get at the emotion through um, through the idea of death, really. But it's not about death, though. There are, there's very few episodes, aren't there, where it's death. It's mainly living, but living in Hornet Heaven, isn't it? <laughs> well, there's a, I, what I like to think is that there's a, there's a poignancy about it. Yeah. Because, you know, we is there an afterlife? Um, well, <clears throat> if you ask me, I think there isn't an afterlife. That's my uh, belief about the world. So I've invented one. <laughs> um, and so I think our lives are, uh, are earthly. I think our lives are down here. And so that's hanging over us. And at some point, we won't be able to watch Watford anymore. Um, so I've invented a place where you can carry on watching Watford. Um, and that is still about death, because there's still a loss that people have had. They've lost the access to their families. They've lost uh, the ability to go to football in normal ways. There's still, it is still a place that's divorced from the reality and the and the yeah, just the reality of going to football. Hmm. So I, I think that runs through it. And what I can do is write stories that tap into the emotions that we all have down here. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I, I think there is, a, there is a poignancy about the idea that Derek Garston, who's the 13-year-old programme assistant, um, you know, he died in 1921. He's 13 forever. Um, there's a poignancy about that. He has childish ways of looking at things. As someone who's lived to the age of 92, like Bill Mainwood did, uh, has a very different experience of it. And that's why I think they make a great pairing, Bill and Derek in the, in the programme office working together. So you, you have these characters, and that's what I think I really love about it, is, like I say, Bill and everyone who doesn't know the original Bill, Bill Mainwood was the man in the programme hut outside Vicarage Road um, before a game. You have all these other characters, though, in it. 
tell us about a few of them. Your maybe your favourite few. I've been horrible to one of my favourite characters in the uh, the episode before last, who's Lampa. So Lampa is the the hooligan who came up to Hornet Heaven in 1980. Uh, when he was run over by Morris Marina when he was chasing some scummers. And uh, he decided that he was going to be the top boy uh, in Hornet Heaven and basically terrorised Henry into making him chief steward. On September the 1st, 1979, Lamper had rounded up a group of Hornet Heaven residents and brought them along. They were all wearing Edwardian suits. Lamper wanted to teach them the basics of casual violence. Watch and learn. You steam in, you smack a few people about, then you leg it. But we don't hate the West Hearts chaps anymore. Shut it, you pussy! So he's been chief steward for 40 years. Lamper has run into a few problems recently with the changes that are happening in Hornet Heaven around equality diversity and inclusion and the Watford welcomes values, which did not used to happen in the 1970s and 80s. And I know a lot of people still look back on those days very fondly, as indeed Lamper does. We're trying to recognise that the world is moving on. There's Henry, Henry Grover, who is known as the father of the club. And Henry, of course, was the man who started the first kickabout and Cassery Park back in 1881. But his mm. character is not anywhere really as far as i'm assuming <laughs> actually biographical or or realistic he's he's quite a uh well i guess he's, he's quite camp in many ways isn't he yeah i don't know whether i'd have used the word camp he's, he's borderline pervy <laughs> this relayed pitch would grace the champions league you're a man with a keen eye for beauty henry would you say it's the greenest pitch in the entire history of the club to tell you the truth, Bill, I've still got a soft spot for brown. In the 1960s, the club gave us mud in several fabulous shades. There was moist chestnut in March 1961, congealing coffee in January 1965, and most magnificently, during the championship-winning winter of 1968-69, wet beaver. He, he has a thing about certain kits. Mm. Uh, he had a thing about Robert Pere Roberto Pereira's thighs, I remember. <laughs> of all the characters, he's the most sort of... Uh, I, I used to love reading P.G. Woodhouse, um, so I think some of Hornet Heaven owes a lot to uh, P.G. Woodhouse, but particularly Henry does as the father of the club. The P.G. Woodhouse wrote some fabulous stories about golf which i would encourage anybody to read and there was a father of the club um, in the pg woodhouse golfing oh. short stories so some of the characters are uh, let's say amplified or uh, slightly caricatured um, for enjoyment and entertainment so that yeah they're the favorites that i keep going back to uh, i really love johnny allgood who's a very serious character because he was a very serious figure in football in the Victorian times and he became Watford's first manager in 1903 and I use him as the sort of the sort of moral uh, touch point for Hornet Heaven for any episode that's set before 2002 which is when Bill Mainwood entered yes. Hornet Heaven and he's now the uh, the, nor the more normal moral touch point. But there are loads of characters. There's Daisy Meriden. She entered Hornet Heaven in 2015. She was a romantic interest for Derek in 2018. 
when everybody thought that Hornet Heaven was ending and there was a very uh, very significant kiss that was had as they thought that Hornet Heaven was uh, was coming to an end. But she has become the new chief steward, so she has taken over from Lampa. Um, and that's a fundamental change to the way that Hornet Heaven is run with a, a fresh pair of eyes, as the most recent episode was called, where Daisy brings some of her ways and perspectives to the way that uh, a modern heaven should be run. What are your favourite, you maybe not say your favourite, because they must all be your favourite, because you wrote them all, but are there, what are the, the episodes that really stood out as important to the development of, of the podcast? So the way I think about them is that there are a sort of sitcom stories, which yeah. will feature Bill and Henry and Derek typically, um, and a couple of the other characters. So so they'll be dealing usually with modern issues, issues that crop up during the season. So if I'm setting a, a story this season, it will probably have uh, Henry and Derek and Bill in it because I'm exploring some kind of issue that's current at the moment. And then there's another kind of issue, uh, another kind of episode, which would be, well, I think of them as period dramas. And now here they are, on October the 21st, 1882, strolling arm in arm towards the parish church of St Mary's to watch a match of this new craze, football. At 3pm the match begins. The Rovers' jerseys are half and half, royal blue and sky blue, with opposing coloured collars and sleeves. They wear three-quarter length white or brown breeches held up by leather belts. Knee-high stockings and heavy leather boots finish the uniform. Wheeler, as goalkeeper, wears the same uniform as the other players with the addition of his trademark flat cap pulled down tight against the breeze. I actually set the story in the past, so in the most recent series I went back and set one in the year 1900 because that was Watford's first ever relegation battle. So I thought that might be an interesting one to think about the similarities of relegation in 1900 to this season. And then there are there are more sort of uh, left field episodes where I'll just have an idea and I'll probably borrow another genre of, uh, of storytelling or even filmmaking. A good example of that would be there was a story called The Lost Cowboy. Um, yes. which was basically used the idea of the sixth sense of a character who uh, doesn't know he's dead. So I borrowed that idea, but used that to explore the idea of someone who'd been away from Watford for a very long time and had kind of forgotten his passion or his fanaticism for the club. So you live next to a soccer stadium. Is that good? Good and bad. The bad is seeing dead people. Tell me about the good. The buzz on match days. Suddenly thousands of people arrive. They're full of hope and anticipation. Cole's description started to stir childhood memories for Malcolm. He remembered the way his granddad's hand had always tightened around his own as they joined the queue for the turnstile. Thinking back, he could almost smell the aromas of a 1970s English football crowd. Tobacco. Beer. Old Spice aftershave. He began to develop a sense that something had been missing in his life for a very long time. But it was there deep down and he recognised it. And um, several people have said to me that that's their favourite episode just for the, uh, the emotion of it. The, this, it's so eclectic in some ways, even though it's all sort of a premise of a, a fun, funny, 
Watford, Hornet Heaven, things that go on there. Um, every mm. episode can be so different, and I do love the historic ones because I feel like I'm I'm being educated in an entertaining way, um, and that's just a, a that's another sort of great quirk or great unique factor of it because it's a very unique podcast if you look at all the you know there's a there's mm. tons of fan podcasts well you know there's, there's a fair few Watford podcasts like us so we sit and we talk about Watford as what's been going on this week but there's, there's no other football fan podcast like like Hornet Heaven of course you, you did deal with the the one most important person who who is now in Hornet Heaven is, is Graham yes. um mm-hmm. and and that actually led to the live event that was very unique um for a podcast tell us about that well the live event was just uh, fantastic so this was september 2017 i think it was that was when hornet heaven was was particularly popular we just won uh, an award at the british podcast awards yeah. people had suggested doing live readings or live performances of the stories so i was exploring this and i thought well wouldn't it be great to do a live reading um in situ if you like so at the stadium where uh, Hornet Heaven stories take place. So I got in touch with Rich Walker and he said, oh, come on up and I'll, I'll show you around all the various spaces that we've got and you can have a think about what you want to do. And he basically took me on a tour of the ground and went to places I hadn't been before, like into the sensory room, into the changing rooms, uh, sit in the dugout, uh, the restaurants and that kind of thing. And I just had the idea of uh, writing a story that took place, scenes took place in all these different places around the ground so that the audience would be sitting there in uh, the place where the scene was set and the action would be happening in their minds around them. Um, and Rich said, yep, we could do that. It was fantastic. We uh, went along for an evening. Uh, they put the floodlights on. They hung the shirts, first team shirts up in the dressing room. Uh, they put on food for us. And we went round the ground as Colin absolutely brilliantly did a, a one man performance mm. uh, live. And you did the uh, the sound effects over the tannoy and all of that stuff. And it was absolute, uh, absolutely wonderful. Uh, a real, you know, top top day in my life to have been involved in that thanks to the club uh being so wonderful and um you know just making making supporting the club mean so much to someone like me who's written that probably you for taking part in it as well but also the lucky people um that that came along and were able to to have that story performed for them live uh in all of those different parts of the ground yeah, it was included. That the, included the, the we sat in the dugout at one point. We were sat in the changing room. Uh, we were sat up in the director's box, and then in the top corner, up by the uh, what is now the, the latest sort of uh, hospitalities. So, it, like I say, mm. it, I, I just I wanted to sort of you know make sure people, if they haven't done, they go and have a, a listen to a couple of episodes at least to get their head into it properly um, of what Hornet Heaven is. There's no denying that they are a particular taste. So you have to like fiction. You have to like being read a story by a wonderful narrator. And Colin Mace is just, just superb. You can just relax into his voice. And um, he, he, it's beautiful being read to by Colin Mace. And then there are all these different kinds of stories. And some of them are... Uh, very much like Jack and Ori, so with a lot of narration. Some of them are effectively radio plays mm. uh, with only dialogue um, and sound effects. If you try one, 
you're not sure, try another one. You might find one that you really like. They're always about Watford. They're always about being a Watford fan. There'll always be references to matches that you've probably been to. Um, there'll be lots of reference to Watford history and the heritage. Uh, and most importantly, they all have a happy ending. Every single one. Even if people die, it's a happy ending. It is a very unique podcast, uh, isn't it, Mike? I don't think there is another fan podcast like it. No, absolutely. It's a, it's a, it's a brilliant and quite lovely concept. A wonderful, a wonderful concept. Beautifully, beautifully executed. And I think I've said it before, I'll say it again. As Watford supporters, to have this sort of creativity amongst our fellow fans and have it executed in such a beautiful way you won't find anything like it at many other clubs and yeah yeah hugely proud that uh, that some friends of ours do it yeah jason wolverhampton uh we go off to um i can guarantee we're wearing the away kit because uh you know they wear gold as well what, what are you gonna expect though apart from the the color of the kit what can we expect do you think much change any change well Firstly, I think we've talked about Pedro, whether King's fit or not. I think I'd like to see him still starting. I think he's done enough today to uh, earn his start. Would I change anything else? Probably not. I don't know. I'm assuming Saar will still be out, so we won't see him back. So I think we can see the, the same same lineup as today, hopefully, because I think, again, it comes down to... Like, it, Mike's just told us about... We're down, aren't we? We're relegated. We're all sort of coming to terms with the fact that if we're going to get out of this now, it's a big, big ask. I've already talked about it. it felt like the Chelsea game again today where it looks like, oh, we're able, we are able to compete. We're always so close, so close. Again, I think we just have to go into this game, take the positives out of today. Let's not be passive. Let's get in their faces. They've not found it too easy recently, Wolves. They've had a couple of dodgy results. So perhaps they, they will be a bit nervous, maybe. Perhaps they are there to be to be got at, but then we need to get at them. So as long as we show a bit of fight, show a bit of spirit, let's see what happens. Bit of fight, bit of spirit. Try and do me nicely. Yeah, we'll take that. We'll take that. Well, let's see what happens uh, up at Molyneux uh, on Thursday. And, of course, we'll reflect on that in the next From the Rookery End. Thank you, Michael. You're welcome. Thank you, Jason. Uh, thank you. And thank you to Ollie, of course, for his time. And thank you to Watford for, well, just being here and playing games of football. Come on, you on! The Athletic.